again, I'd like to simply welcome you to GRX and worshiping with us today. Today's the fifth message in a series of messages that we're looking at entitled The Good and Beautiful Community. And uh, we've invited the whole church to read and follow along with us, reading a book by this same title by uh, an author named James Bryan Smith about how we are together as a community. Today we're going to look at serving, the serving community. And a few weeks back we looked at the peculiar community, which is GRX, which is the church, which is the peculiar community of a people gathered to follow Jesus Christ. Then last week we looked at the hopeful community, how we are a community whose hope is founded in Jesus Christ, and we looked at endurance, and we looked at prayer. So today we're going to look at serving, the serving community. And I thought about us, I was like, man, this for us as a church, this is a total slam dunk. This, because our church, our our GRX community, it is filled with people who serve. And it is actually an incredible joy to walk with and serve in a community where there's so many people who so freely and generously give up their time and their gifts to serve. I mean, here we have just the worship team, and they get here early to practice and serve. But then even behind you guys, like, don't, don't look, but we have people doing sound and, and doing the PowerPoint, you know, don't want to embarrass those guys back there. Thanks, Winford and Jeff. Thanks for doing that. Um, and we have also people that come early to set up. They set up the kids' zone rooms. They're serving that way. The bulletins are folded by someone who's serving. Someone comes early to make coffee, grabbing lunch for us so we can have food fellowship today afterwards. Of course, you folks that are parents know we have people serving in kids' zone. You may not know this, but behind the scenes, we have people serving in a finance committee. We have people serving in a benevolence, uh, a compassion fund committee. And then we have our leadership team, who are our elected leaders of our community, leading us in policy governance, leading in spiritual oversight along with me. And they are also serving, and they're meeting regularly, serving our community on our behalf. And I was thinking, man, we've got this. So I'm just really happy to be thinking about us as a serving community because we are already so much uh, serving. And uh, so I'm going to read this passage out of Philippians chapter 2. And what we're going to dive into, actually, we're going to get under the hood a little bit of serving. And what I want to show is that the beauty of the serving community is that It's filled with people who have the mind of Christ. That the serving and the freely giving of ourselves is actually an outward expression of an inward reality of the love of Jesus Christ being operative in our lives. So that serving is an outward expression of the inward mind of Christ. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter and this particular passage to a group of Christians in the city of Philippi. That's why this book in the Bible is called Philippians. So the Christian Philippians would be receiving this, just like we are now uh, here Christians in Santa Clara uh, listening to this. Scripture says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We're going to get back to this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, and even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him, and has bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is Jesus Christ who we follow. This is Jesus Christ who, in humility, served with his whole life. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But I started thinking about, well, how could this have resonance for us or traction for us in a community where people serve so freely already and who give so generously already? And I began thinking about this uh, not just for followers of Jesus Christ, but if you're not a Christian. And particularly here, if you're just here at GRX checking us out, I know that there are people that are here among us that aren't followers of Jesus, that aren't Christians, but they're just checking out faith. That's cool. It's great that you're here with us. I was thinking about serving, and it doesn't just show up in the church, but it shows up in all kinds of places. Think about if this is true in your life, that serving shows up in your family, maybe your extended family. Serving shows up in your workplace. Serving, serving shows up in your school, or maybe where your kids go to school. And tell me if you think this is true. I think that in all these places, in all these communities, family, work, school, in the arena of serving, people generally fall into two groups. There's the group of people that serve, and then there's the group of people that don't serve. Right? And if you're in the group of people that serve, right, you're like, dang, how come there's people over here that don't serve? Like, man, what's up with them? They don't show up. What's going on? Now, now here's, the, here's the danger that can kind of happen with this. It happens in families. I've seen it happen in schools. It happens all over the place. The people that serve tend to serve a ton because they're trying to make up for all these people that aren't serving over here. All these like, man, and you, you can't say they're losers, but you're like, ah, oh, man, what's up? And all these people over here, they don't serve, and, and, and they've got reasons. They've got reasons for they don't serve. They look at all these people that are serving, and they go, oh, man. They feel kind of guilty. They feel kind of bummed. And who knows? Who knows what's going on for them? And sometimes there's this conflict between people that really serve and then people that really don't serve. And if we delve a little bit more deeply into this, between the people that serve and the people that don't serve, um, if we stopped right there, it would leave us in a really unhelpful place. Because this is what will usually happen. For the people that are over here that serve a ton, and they just keep serving and serving and serving and serving and serving, they can often serve to the point of burning out. And they can serve this place where they feel super underappreciated and super 
overworked. And then if you're people over here, people that are over here that aren't really serving, they can feel really guilty and they can feel really judged. Or they might feel like they don't really have anything of value or anything worthwhile to serve. So I'm not going to serve. Maybe they feel really super insecure about themselves. Maybe they don't feel like they have any value. Um, And they really don't feel like they have anything that they can really bring to the table. And they're not really engaged. And these people are over-engaged. What I'm wanting to talk about this morning is that the true heart of service is more than just behavior modification. What I'm going to talk about today is I'm just not going to try to get these people to serve less and to get these people to serve more. I'm not wanting to talk about behavior modification. What I'm wanting to talk about is that in following Jesus Christ, that the serving, it includes a way of being. But it's not just serving for the sake of serving. It's about having our lives live in health, in full health and balance, and to live a good and whole human life so that we don't live with guilt and that we don't live overstressed and overworked, that we don't live with an incredible amount of worthlessness, but we also don't live with an incredible amount of burnout and feeling unappreciated. See, because serving within the kingdom of God is not just about serving for the sake of serving. Serving is not about trying to win favor or look good in front of other people. Serving is certainly not about trying to look good before God and trying to earn favor with God. That is not what serving is about. I mean, we get that story and illustration really clearly when Jesus goes and visits the home of two women, a woman named Mary and a woman named Martha. And Jesus is there and just teaching. And Martha is running around really busy in the kitchen because Jesus is there and there are people there. And Martha is trying to get some food on the table. She's serving and being all crazy. And she's trying to serve Jesus. And Martha gets really upset because no one's helping her. And then Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried about a lot of things. You're worried too much about serving. But come and just be with me. He says, Mary, your sister, who's here with me, she's chosen the better part. So Jesus is even saying there, it's not just all about serving. It's not just all about what you can do for me. It's not all about that. So exploring underneath, What is the motivation for serving? What is the motivation for serving that will bring wholeness to us? It's what it says in verse 5 of this passage that we just read. It's about having the mind of Christ. And you can have the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? Because it says, have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It actually means have this mindset, have this perspective. Let this mind be among yourselves, in you, and among you. Which means let this mind be in you 
in an intentional kind of way, be very thoughtful about this, and then let this mind be among you, which means being among you in your human relationships and in your community. Let this mind be in you and among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, before I get to that, let me just say something very important about the mindset. Because here in the South Bay, people are very sharp. And we all live out of particular mindsets. And what I'm hoping that we would do as a community is we would grow more deeply into having actually the mind of Jesus Christ in us. But we all live out of these particular different kinds of mindsets. I mean, some of us, um, kind of a classic mindset might be conflict avoidance. And you can see if you live in a conflict avoidance kind of mindset, how it shapes how you behave in the world. If you're conflict avoidant, you might not say that tough truth that you might need to say to somebody. You're conflict avoidant. Now, the positive side of a mindset of conflict avoidance is that you're going to just keep your human relationships as good as you possibly can. You're going to love people by not rocking the boat. So sometimes that mindset of conflict avoidance is really good. Now, you can have another mindset instead of conflict avoidance, you might, as a mindset, really value authenticity. If you're a millennial and you live in that mindset, that's a classic millennial mindset. Authenticity. I'm going to be honest. I don't care about conflict. I'm just going to be honest and be true to myself. I'm going to be true to what I feel. Now, sometimes that gets you into conflict. Sometimes you say things that are inappropriate. But it's also very loving to be very authentic and just say what's true for you. I love these people if I'm out eating dinner and I have some broccoli stuck in my teeth. And they're going to be very authentic and say, you have some broccoli stuck in your teeth. Say, thank you very much for living in that authentic millennial mindset. I've got broccoli in my teeth. So any mindset, we live and we act out of these different mindsets. So to be the serving community and to live in the mindset of God and to honor God with that is we live in the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is simply this, deep and intimate relation with the Father. Jesus Christ had a deep and abiding intimacy with his heavenly Father. As people who follow Jesus... When we live with an abiding, intimate relationship with the Father, then we will be able to discern what it means to serve. And we won't be, on the one hand, burned out and underappreciated. But at the other hand, we won't be complacent and undervalued. There's a story of Jesus where Jesus was away with the Father. He was in prayer. And all these people were looking for him, and Jesus was away. It looked like Jesus wasn't serving. And other people found him and said, Jesus, we need you to serve. All these people are looking for you. You did all this great service last night, and now we're looking for people to serve. You're looking, we're, looking for people, we're looking for you because there are all these people that need to be served. And Jesus said, you know what? It's not my time to serve right now. It's 
my time to go to this other town and visit with them. There were all these needs around Jesus. Certainly there were times in Jesus' life where he served, and there were certainly times in Jesus' life where he didn't serve. What was in his mind? How did he discern that? He discerned it because he was walking intimately with his heavenly Father all the time. And that's how we can discern when is it time to serve and when is it time not to serve. Serving is seen outwardly. Our giving to other people through our service is an outward expression of an inward transformation. It's an inward transformation to have the heart and the mind of Jesus Christ in our world. To not be conformed to this world. To not let our serving be some kind of spiritual achievement-oriented treadmill that we try to build up good favor with God or with other people. That our mind and our heart are transformed by Jesus Christ so that we're changed from the inside out. Someone who knows Jesus deeply, who knows that they know that they know that they are loved by the Heavenly Father, someone who knows that they are fully accepted and worth something, then can naturally love and serve other people out of that place. It's a little bit like this. Consider an apple tree. We have an apple tree in our backyard. I know some of you guys have fruit trees in your backyard. But think about an apple tree. It's not by behavior modification that the apple tree makes apples. The apple tree doesn't need to, like, squeeze out some apples. Your apple tree in the backyard is not, like, popping out apples and going, man, I'm putting so many apples, it's so hard for me to put these apples out, I feel so underappreciated. <laughs> the apple also is not on this side either, going, oh, man, I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't have anything, but I'm not, I'm not going to squeeze out any apples this year. I, I don't know. I don't know. No. The apple tree, by its nature, is an apple tree and naturally produces the good fruit of apples. That's what I'm trying to say about the goodness of service when we have the heart and the mind of Christ. That it's just out of the goodness of God living in us that we'll be able to then freely and naturally serve. That Service in a Christ-like way is an outward expression that's motivated by an inward reality of being profoundly loved and forgiven and valued and accepted by Jesus Christ. And then serving works just like everything else. It works just like joyfully and generously giving. Or serving works just like keeping our relationships in love and in forgiveness and grace. Because we're loved and accepted, we can keep our relational accounts very short. We can readily confess. 
We can ask someone forgiveness when we do something wrong. We can own it, and we can move on. Generous giving, generous forgiveness, generous confession, and generous serving. It all is this natural outpouring of the inward reality of the heart and mind of Jesus Christ. Let me say this one more thing about humility, because humility is also all woven throughout this passage. And if you see the life of Jesus Christ, his serving comes from a deep connection to the Father, but it also comes from a place of humility. Now, let me say something just very briefly about history. Now, Jesus Christ lived 2,000 years ago. So in the first century, humility was actually not a value in society. Nowadays, humility, being humble, having a right assessment of yourself, that is a value that we in our culture uh, uh, honor and celebrate. But that was not always true. Our humility that we value now as a culture actually comes from Jesus Christ. Because in the first century, when Jesus Christ was around, humility was actually seen in the Greco-Roman world, that whole Mediterranean world, it was actually a weakness. Humility was a shortcoming. And you just have to think about the Romans. They were a people that celebrated strength, conquest, totally defeating your enemies. That was the pervasive worldview. That was the mindset at the time. It was power and strength. No one modeled humility, let alone even taught about humility at all. The strong ones were the victors, socially, politically, economically. Those were the ones who could secure power for themselves, and they could push the weaker ones out. It was power that was used for self-preservation. It was power that was certainly used in politics. It was power that was used in business and in all kinds of situations. Some of you guys know that my background, actually, I studied zoology. And I always like things in the animal world. And you certainly do not see a lot of humility in the natural world. I mean, it is like eat or be eaten in the animal world. It's just like the first century. Eat or be eaten. Kill or be killed. And uh, so some of you might have heard me say this before. I really like this uh, animal behavior theory that uh, came out by a, a zoologist named Hamilton. And it's called the selfish herd theory. Um, actually, I think some humans still practice this. It's called the selfish herd theory. This is the way it works. You have a group of zebras, and they all come to the watering hole to drink. It, you, you are very vulnerable as a zebra when you're on the plains drinking at the water because what, to drink, you have to put your head down into the water. And the, once you put your head down in the water, you're not able to see that there might be a lion sneaking up on you or a cheetah sneaking up on you in the high grass or African wild dogs coming to eat you. So you always have to have your head up, but you need water, so you're going to have to put your head down. So this is how the selfish herd works. So all the zebras roll up to the, um, to the water hole. The biggest and strongest zebras wedge into the middle. And then the weaker zebras get pushed to the outside of the water. Right? Because they know. You're going to get picked off. If the lion comes, he's going to pick off one of the outside zebras. 
And so if you look at this, and, and you know, if, if, you, if you really like uh, zebra articles, you can go and read this. <laughs> but you'll look, and they'll study the zebras, and the biggest, strongest zebras are in the front, and it just kind of trickles down to the smallest ones. That's a selfish herd theory. Power to secure position and security and safety. That's how it operated in the first century. And then here comes Jesus Christ. Though he was in the form of God, he had all the power of God. He did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself. He humbled himself, taking human form. He became obedient to God. That's that intimate relationship with God. He became obedient to God and became obedient even unto death, death on the cross. And therefore God highly exalted him. That's our Lord and Savior. That's our Jesus Christ. Not that he used power to secure his own, but that he used power in the service of other people. That's humility. That comes from Jesus Christ. So when you think about power, and you think about is God wanting me to serve in this way? It is actually the use of the power that God gives us that we can serve other people. And when we do that, we are living in the mind of Jesus Christ, who himself, in humility, took his power and served other people. It's this kind of power It's this kind of humility. It's this kind of mind of Christ that I wanted to share with you guys today. This is a church, you just look around, incredibly generous community. People are serving with this mind of Christ all over the place, both in this community and in your family and in your schools and in your workplaces. It's really, really exciting to see. You guys are doing great. It's fun to be a part of it. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that again and again, week after week, in so many ways, that there are people that are serving out of this mind of Christ, using the gifts, the talents, and the power and the strength that you've given us to serve other people, to build your kingdom, to love other people in Jesus' name. God, I do pray that if there are people here You've brought people here this morning who are feeling a little bit more on the extreme, that they're feeling kind of really burned out, serving wherever they are, maybe feeling really underappreciated. Or maybe they're on the other extreme, where they're feeling like they don't really have a lot of worth or not a lot to give, serve. God, I pray that today, rather than doing any behavior modification, serving one way or the other, God, I pray that you would remind them how much you simply love them. How much you simply want them to know that they are beloved in you. And let that be enough for today. Give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.